the only trial I ever went to where I thought, I, I don't care what they say, because I go back, got the job, playing Sunday morning football, enjoying that, and I let myself go. If you're not already, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fozcast. I've got my mate Tom. How are you, mate? Very good. Very, very much looking forward to this one, I've got to say. Yeah, me too. Um, it's fair to say that we have got a f- actual living football legend in the studio with us today. Let me give you a little bit of a taster of what this guy has done, okay? Played for Crystal Palace, Arsenal, West Ham, Nottingham Forest, Celtic and Burnley. 117 goals for Palace, 185 goals for Arsenal, 313 club goals, nine England goals, the one, the only, Uncle Ian Wright. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) How you doing, Foz? How you doing, Tom? Love your stuff. Love your stuff, guys. I'm not even joking. Love it. Mate, first of all, can I say massive thank you on behalf of us both for coming mm, down today. Yes. We were waiting for you outside mm. and there was people all over the shop <laughs> grabbing you, wanting a piece of the action, weren't they? Yeah. Well, I said to Ben, I said uh, like on the, on the way in, I said, you've got to remember, like Ben's got his football audience, football audience yeah. YouTube audience. With what you've done in your career, like with even TikTok, you hit every demographic going. Kids wow. to... It's funny because like with the TikTok, I'm, you know, once we started doing the TikTok, it, the thing is, it's fun to do. I don't feel like, oh God, I'm the old guy doing TikTok. I just do stuff and it's really funny. Um, and then the engagement you're getting with kids when you see them on the street and that, they call me like that guy's a TikTok guy. He doesn't know a TikTok guy. It's amazing. So exactly. For, uh, how many? 313 goals yeah. and you're known as a TikTok guy. The TikTok guy. <laughs> Horrible. Right. So, righty, before we start all, all our right. podcasts, yeah, we've uh, got some icebreaker questions. Go on then. Okay. So... Our icebreaker question is, if you could pick three people, dead, alive, yeah. famous, non-famous, it doesn't matter, right? Mm. You're going out for a session. You're going out for a lovely time. Whatever your favourite sort of night out is, yeah? yeah? Down and dirty, sweaty floors, it doesn't matter, yeah? yeah? Whatever you want to do. Yeah. Which three people are you picking? Wow. Great icebreaker. Um, let me see. I probably... I probably probably pick Muhammad Ali. Oh, big one. I don't think we've had him no, before. No, we've not had that No. Yeah, he looks like... He looks like, you know, cool, cool, he trains hard, but... If he lets go, he'll have a laugh. And he, once you get deep in a session with him, he'll probably be quite quite um, memorable yeah, with some yeah, of the stuff yeah. he says. I think... So I'd have Muhammad Ali. Um, I'd have um, Maya Angelou, old like writer. It. Yeah, she's an old writer, old poet, old muse way back in the day. Unbelievable lady. You have to have a lady there. Nice. A lady Calm of substance. Down a little bit. Yeah, a lady of substance. Yeah. And then I'd probably have... Let me see, who would I have... As just to just just to have so I, I could say, oh my God, I can't believe I'm with them two. Probably a prince. <laughs> <laughs> prince the singer, prince. Yeah, not a prince. Yeah. Not a prince. I was thinking, what, William, Harry? I'll probably have them three. Them, you know what is funny about them? In fact, Probably, yeah. I probably have my, no. I probably have Michael Jordan instead of Prince. Oh, that's oh, yeah. a very good that's one. Yeah, yeah, I probably have Michael Jordan instead of Prince because Prince might kind of take down the tone with his with his vibe. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> he's a little high. Be good to go, won't he? Yeah, I think so. Michael Jordan could probably flex in that kind of like company. Man, that's a big top three, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's a that. heavy top three, <laughs> that. All right, righty. Okay, Uncle Ian Wright. I can see obviously at the minute you've got a smile on your face. Mm. Buzzing Arsenal are doing very very yeah. well. We'll talk about Arsenal mm-hmm. in a bit, I'm sure. But we want to take it back, all right? Because yeah. Uh, England played the other night, San Marino, yeah. okay? Aaron Ramsdale made his debut. Yeah. 
I looked at Aaron Ramsdale past of how he got into football, okay, and he has been all over the shop, right? He's obviously hit the big time now. He's mm. playing for England. He's playing for Arsenal. But he started his career off out on loan at absolutely anybody mm -hmm. will take him. And it's a very similar story to me and a very similar mm -hmm. story to you. Greenwich Borough, mm -hmm. talk to me about how that happened and how you found getting into football late on that journey a bit sort of helpful. Um, I think I only found it helpful once I got in. All the t Trying to get there was sometimes devastatingly um, sad. And the rejection was a thing I had a problem with. I had a problem with it from a young age because I got rejected in all the trials when I was younger. Um, and then I think the last one, uh, I never got into any trial until I got to, to Palace at 22. The last one, what literally finished me off, um, made me say, I'm just going to concentrate on working and, uh, and, and um, you know, playing football on a Saturday and Sunday was when I went to Brighton on loan. Um, it was just after, it was, it was in and around 84. It would have been 84. I think it would have been about that time. But I think, you know what? The manager would have been Jimmy Melia, I think. No, Chris Catlin. <laughs> Chris Catlin. And I went there from Broccoli all the way to Brighton, begged steal and borrow to get down there, um, done everything, scored in the reserves, and they said no. And so my... My my attitude towards it was, listen, I love playing football, so I'm just going to play for my Sunday team and then, you know what I mean, I'll just go from there. And then what was happening was, I was just playing Sunday morning football and I've been playing man's football since I was like 15 and a half, 16. I lied about my age to play in my team 10 and B. And I've been playing man's football from then and I was scoring loads of goals on a Saturday and Sunday to the point where I'd score goals where... I was going three and four goals and I'd try and find other ways of scoring. Try to hit the bar, try to hit the post. Just taking them yeah, in just, basically. Just to, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and you don't realise yeah. because in the end, you feel like, yeah, but I'm playing Sunday morning football. It's easy. So you're, you're kind of taking the mickey. People trying to kick you. You know, I remember you used to having to run away from fights. You go and, you go and play on the Ferrer Estate down in Sidcup and you go down in the deep dungeon of Deptford in Millwall country and you're an all black team, white goalkeeper, of course, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, you, 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 what's it called? You go down there, you sometimes you're leaving the place like warriors. So you kind of get this kind of like vibe around you where you you really take the world on. And because I thought that I was, uh, yeah, I was okay in um, playing normal football, like non-league football, Sunday football, but in the pros, I was no good. And that's what everyone around me used to say. And then, you know, I went to Greenwich Borough just at the end of a season. I played three games for him. I never, I wasn't signed to Greenwich Borough. Oh, okay. I was either going to go to Greenwich Borough or Dulwich. You're getting paid at this point, no? No. The first time I got paid was Greenwich Borough. I remember he said to me, and we played a game down there because our pitches ran out. They turned them into cricket pitches. I went down there, we played a game, and the manager, Mickey Redmond, he went up to my manager and said, listen, will we be able to have him for three games? We'll pay him £30 a game for the three games. Is this 1984? This is, I would say, this would have been... Yeah, just before Palace. Wow. Yeah, so it was like just That's before Palace. That's a lot Palace. of money still, that. Well, it was. Well, the, the thing was is that I didn't know Palace was anywhere around because I played a couple of finals in the Mary Wiltshire Shield and that. And, and I scored I scored a hat-trick in the final. I scscored two in the semi-final. Your memory's we, fast, we, by the way. We, done a, we, played another one at, we played another final at Bromley. We beat a team 1-0. We beat Lombard 4-1 in a final at, Brom, at Bromley. Because this was, this was my whole life. I remember, you know what? It would have been in and around 1983 because me and my mate Conrad, who's passed away, unfortunately, we were playing the Michael Jackson song, uh, um, Thriller, on repeat, just constantly, all the time. I remember Wanna Be Starting Something was our main tune when we used to go. And so, <laughs> so I remember um, then scoring all those goals and people started talking about people are watching you, people are watching you, but I didn't care because that's happened to me before. I've had the rejection. It wasn't something I was bothered about. And then I had this trial for... I played for for 
the Greenwich Borough get three games. And it's funny because after the first game, I was thinking he's going to give me like the 30 pounds, but he didn't give it me. And so I was like, oh, probably they're not going to give it me. Fuck it. And if they don't give me, I don't care. I'll play for nothing. Still, still turn up, yeah. Second game, still never gave me no money. I thought, they're not giving me any. So then the third game, I remember he told me, he said, listen, we really want you to sign. And at the same time, Dully Jamlet wanted me to sign. And so it, and then he took 90 pounds out of his pocket and gave it to me. Oh. It, was really, it was really awkward because it felt sordid and, and weird because he went <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, here you go. And I took it. It was 90 pounds first time I was... I was 21, first time I ever got paid for playing football. 21. And <laughs> it was really, it was then where you think to yourself, oh, brilliant, well, I'll just go and play non-league football. So I had a trial for um, Greenwich Borough. They said, right, we, we'll take you. And then I wanted to have this trial for Dully Jamlet because that's where Andy Gray, my teammate from Palace, he got taken from Dully Jamlet. And while I was having a, a possibles and probables trial with Dully Jamlet, that's when I got approached by the Peter Prentice, dear old Peter Prentice who passed away. At Palace, and I remember because I'd never been approached when I was a kid. The district teams, they never got approached, and it would even like county level, nothing, nothing, nothing wow. did, nah, didn't never got never not, never got approached by a scout. And I remember he actually said, "Hello, my name is Peter Prentice, and I represent Crystal Palace, and we would like to offer you a two-week trial at our football club. We're very impressed with what you've seen." And I was like, "Whoa!" But the thing, what happened was, I was like blown away, obviously, because it's the first time I was 21. I could deal with a coach, with a, um, a scout coming up then. But like I was, all my flashbacks went, oh my God, a scout's coming up to me. And then um, I remember saying, listen, I, I, I can't do it because the problem, the reason why I couldn't do it was because I was afraid. I was afraid of, of failing again. And I was afraid of the rejection. And I was afraid of what was going to happen when I went back to the ends, what they would have said. And I just thought, listen, Sean's fr Sean was free at the time. Sean was free. Bradley was just born. And so I just got a decent job at tunnel refineries in Greenwich. And I turned them down. I turned them down three times. And it was only the boss said, how's it going? What's happening with the football? And I told him. And he said, I'll oh, just go. I'll try and keep the job for you. You know what I mean? If it, if it doesn't work out, come back and get the job. And it worked out. So, so, so at this point then, you signed for Palace. Mm. So like you say, you, you're fully sort of worried about like failing and yeah. rejection. Because they only signed me for three months, Foz. Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. So, so in the end, it made me even worse in respect to my anxiety and my re rejection because they didn't sign me for a year. So I was thought, right, I've got a year so I yeah, can really get to hit the ground running. So I signed for three months and I'm thinking, well, in three months time. And remember, everybody knows now, oh, Palace have taken him because everybody from the football team is telling everybody, oh, Palace have taken him, Palace have taken him. And it was for three months. And I was like... I was petrified. I, was, I wasn't even sleeping properly. I was thinking, oh, God, I'm going to go three months, then they're going to bl blow me out. It's interesting, though, because you started relatively late, didn't do any of the academies. Mm. I was 18. I was 18 yeah, when so I signed pro, but so I'd never done, like I say, nothing, nothing. So you're well, three or four when years you're on loan, me. when you're on loan, it's one thing because you've got the security of a contract and you're kind of like going out and they're yeah. saying, do well, Something and then, you, and then yeah. you come home. Whereas I never thought about it like that way. It's stressful because you're you're playing for a deal, aren't you? It's so stressful. And the thing is, is that, remember as well, I've come out of, um, I've come out off the building site, literally, and then all of a sudden you're training, you're going to, like, you're going to training and they're taking you to spas, you're doing all the stuff, they're looking after you. You're kind of getting used to something that you think, wow, this is amazing. This is what it's like being at a professional football club. But all the time I was doing that, it was very hard to actually let go and feel comfortable being amongst it yeah. when I'm feeling like, well, you know what I mean? This is, we're talking about free a month in, petrified. Um, and then a couple of weeks after that, they signed me for a year because I think that QPR, I was playing against QPR and all that, played against QPR, played against Reading, played against the, the reserves, which was a massive thrill for me because all of a sudden I'm playing in football stadiums. Proper, mm. yeah. 
know what I mean? You're playing and they're empty. I know they're empty, but like I was like, oh my God, I've seen this on the television, right? And so you're playing in those games and then after like six weeks, like he called me and Steve Coppola and him and Ron Nodes, they said, we're going to sign you for a year. And then literally when he said that, something clicked and I said, right, this is it. Mm. This is my time. It's happened. The, the I, you didn't have an agent at this point? No, I didn't have anything. That wasn't no. even really a thing back then. No, it weren't. It weren't a thing then. And um, it's like once I got there, um, I realised how tough football was and how I was playing. I was, I was playing full, full football, I call it now. And like I remember I mentioned like about practising to to hit the post and going or it tried to hit the bar or try to chip the keeper. And all that came good for me when when I went for the when I tr went for the trial of Palace because I was just shooting from everywhere. I scored four goals and Jim Cannon was at the back, um, Mickey Droy, Henry Uton was right back, David Lindsay. They had their first team. I, I was playing against the first team and I literally slaughtered the first team, scoring goals. I scored. But George Wood was in goal. Remember George Wood? Yeah, yeah. I scored. I scored two goals in the in the practice game and David Lindsay nearly took my eye out and they took me off. I had to come off because he gouged my eye. Because I think they thought I was taking the piss. I wasn't taking the piss. I was just playing, and like these are the things that when I was practicing, all of a sudden I was just doing them in that game. You know, I hit the, I hit the post about three times playing. Hit the crossbar. <laughs> it was like you know what? If you could say the perfect trial, because I tell you what it was. I genuinely thought they were going to let me go. I didn't have nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. I think it's yeah. the only. I think it's the only trial because all the time from a kid going into this kind of stuff, it's the only trial I ever went to. Where I thought I, I don't care what they say because I go back, got the job playing Sunday morning football, enjoying that, and I let myself go. Is that because you were a little bit older, maybe? Probably, yeah, a bit more worldly, um, a bit more um, confident about myself and the fact that I had a decent job to fall back on. You say that you had the loan, like you had the loan so someone's paying it. What I had to fall back on was the fact that Gary Twydell, who was my boss at the time, he said, I'll give you the job. Yeah, boom. You know, so, so I, I kind of had, I'll do two weeks of football and then I'd go back to the job. But then they kept me on. Then the anxiety starts again. Then I'm starting to think, oh, I can't get used to this life because take it away from me. And then, and obviously, then you hit once the ground running. I did, to be honest. I so did. How, how long? How long in between getting into the team, signing for Palace, and then actually playing first team football? Um, it weren't long. Um, it would have been. It weren't. It weren't long. I, I'd say once '85 season, they started to put me on. Um, I started to start games. Not start games coming off the bench and the fans were singing for me to come on. I think my first game was against Uddersfield, away at Uddersfield. Um, I remember playing, the one game I remember more than anything else, I come on against Portsmouth and it was Billy Gilbert. Billy Gilbert and Noel Blake was at the back. It was a really rough Portsmouth side. And all I remember was just getting kicked fucking everywhere. Just everyone kicked. Just busting into the back of me. I was like, I'm not ready for this, man. I can't play this level, man. I couldn't do anything. I'm, but then what happened is I got the ball a couple of times, went past a couple of people. But then again, as soon as I went past someone, I got fucking smashed. I wasn't strong enough. I remember they put me on a kind of like a steak and banana and potatoes fucking... Protein. Yeah, yeah. come on. Bulk I was eating up. everything. Bulked up. And then before I knew it, um, so after, then I came on against Oldham. I played against Fulham. Came, off, came on against Fulham and I think I hit the post. And that the fans were singing for me to come on. Then they came on against Oldham and it was 2-1. We were losing 2-1. Um, Kevin Taylor scored and I scored the winner. And then that that was it. And that, that was it. I was like literally in the first team. What do you think, what do you think was the turning point from going, being sort of anxious about 
is it that because I think for me personally, when I got I think in my mid twenties, I'd say late late twenties probably maybe, when I learned to just basically not give a shit, mm. not worry about like what might happen, what yeah. if you fail, what ifs kind yeah. of thing. That is when I realised that I was just like I could just go and enjoy it. Well, the problem I had was my my problem was what if I don't fail because I was worried about what people were thinking. Oh, your your failure, your rejection, you're, you're no good, you're not good enough, and this and that. So, the only time um, I felt like I didn't need to worry about that was when the boss said, I'll keep the job for you. Yeah. Um, so then I went to the trial and literally, because when you go to them trials, it, don't lose the ball, make sure you don't don't give the ball away here, make sure you get the crop. And I was just worried about too many things instead of just playing. Too, being too safe. Being uh, too safe and I'm not yeah. safe. It's yeah, not yeah, naturally yeah. in my, um, in my, 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 pers my personality to be safe. I've got to go for it. Yeah. And that was, when I went for it, I did go for it. I remember Steve Koppel, after the first couple of games, was getting kicked all over the place. And I remember him saying to me, when, the way you see the game in the last third, never change the way you see the game. You're going to have to sharpen up in linking the, the play. Because I remember Jim Cannon used to have me by the collar. You know what I mean? The dressing room. Because I've given the ball away. I've tried to do the Hollywood um, cross-field pass. It gets cut out and then he's under pressure. I remember he's an old player at the time. So he was constantly, the pressure yeah, was going on. Because I kept yeah. giving the ball away. And it's only when Trevor Aylock came... Um, first, like, Trevor Aylott was there when I got there. So I played with him a couple of times in the reserves. And then when Mark Bright came, like maybe 18 months after, or maybe a year after, I'd really started to learn about being a striker, learning how to make runs. I started to get bigger. I, I was more, um, I never, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of anyone, but I was stronger. I was able to f hold the tackles off and do a lot more. And then I started to feel, um, like I could see people feared me, yeah. feared the, the pace. The feared some the feeling as a striker, that isn't honestly, it? it's amazing because you could see it when you could see it when you when you kick off and you run towards them. They've got a look. You could see it in their eyes. You, yeah. they've, they've got a look in their eyes that they, they they're afraid of something. So this is why I can't understand where when you've got pace. You, the first thing I do is I say Dick, to all the players, and once we got to Arsenal, everyone just put a couple over in the corner. Yeah. Let them let me let them know that they're going to run today. They're going to run, and if it comes into me, I'm going to do them with skill. I'm going to do everything to them. So I just wanted to make them know. I challenge keepers. I do, I do it a lot. And then once I realised that the fans loved the, that kind of devil may care, fucking naughty kind of like, I, <laughs> honestly, I just like got so much, I got even more energy. I just kept getting boosts <laughs> from different things. I can feel the energy now. I'm buzzing <laughs> up now. Yeah. I'm just listening there thinking, this is fucking incredible. Honestly. Yeah. Then, then all of a sudden, I do a bit of skill and the fans go like, oh. And so I was like, Jesus, they love that. You know what I mean? It was really strange. I'd, I'd have shots just to hear the fans go, oh, just what, in case. What were you like in training versus a match then? Were you one that dialed it, it, it kind of, like you're the same, aren't you, where you live for match day, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yes. Training for me, like it's, it's great. It's great. But the match day is the buzz. It's when, like I said, when it kicks yeah. off at three o'clock, mm. you get that buzz and it's you can see the crowd and how much it means mm. to them. And you feed off it like you wouldn't believe. Don't yeah. you? It's unbelievable. What but you know what, what was good for me in training is because obviously once I started to train Regularly, once obviously we got. I'm a, I'm a professional now, so I'm trying. I couldn't. I, I couldn't believe how some training sessions were just so amazing that all you're doing is looking forward to Saturday because you just want to be yeah. like how it was in training. Because what I always done, you know, people say to you, "Well, you're nervous. Are you nervous?" And I was not nervous on the Saturday. I was anxious because I wanted to do well. But the reason why I weren't nervous because in training, I just always used to think back on the good things I've done. So I'd be buzzing going yeah. into the game. I'll be buzzing going into the game. You know you, you can do yeah. that again. Roll it, replicate yeah, Just it. do stuff. And you know yeah. that even if you have a shot, even if you try to go past someone and then they tackle you, especially if you're at home, 
you're going to get something from the crowd. So it's just like continually energizing. Right. You've got to be a quick learner. You you must be like inbuilt in you. You must be a quick learner because whatever you've done, sort of whether it's football afterwards, punditry, frigging telly, hosting, or it must be all completely new to you. But within, you must pick it up just like that. So like I say, learning even mm. about football, learning how to be a striker, you must have just within months at Palace, just learned how to do it. You know, watching and then being on the bench and watching the runs of other strikers. You know, while I started to watch strikers like my, like myself, I remember, remember John Hendry he used to play for yeah. Brent, like Bradford, yeah. and they used to have um, Stuart uh, Stuart McCall was in the midfield yeah, of him. He wasn't quick in that, but his movement was unbelievable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then, what you do, you just start watching people like Gary Lineker's movement. When I used to watch Gary Lineker and that incredible one, yeah, yeah. So I used to go and watch. Um, I used to go and watch live games and watch stuff and watch watch the player, watch players and how they they run. And I think to myself, Jesus Christ! I saw Gary Lineker rip Des Walker to shreds. Who was like my nemesis? I hated playing against Des. Gary Lineker ran him all over the place. Des Walker, you know? Yeah, yeah. He, was was an, he, was an athlete, he was an athlete. Oh he God, was, you can't yeah, do anything because Des was one of those players that he'd tell you what you're going to do because he said, "I know you can make that run if you want," because I know. He hasn't got enough time on the ball, yeah. So you can make the run. You don't. You're not getting me with that. So then you start to think, Jesus Christ, it's a different level of defender I've got to play against yeah, because yeah. he's not going to go for my little moves because he knows that the player on the ball is not maybe good enough to do it or he hasn't got enough time to do it. Hasn't got his head up yet. That's a so top then, level. So then what, now you realise you're dealing with an elite level of um, defender that you can't just say, oh, I've got skill and I've got pace. You've got to have something upstairs. So then you have to know the timing of who's on the ball. When he's got it, because then the defender now has got a problem. If you if he's got time and I've got pace and there's space behind, he's now got a massive problem. So then you you, you have to learn that. And once I learned that, because remember when I first came up from Sunday, you know what I mean? I'm just getting just running, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Because I'm thinking I'm see, see the, the level though. See, <laughs> yeah. the level. We're talking to one of England's like as terms in terms of strikers, like as oh. good as it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that little insight you've given yeah. me there. Like people people think footballers are thick, don't they? They think, yeah. they honestly do think yeah. footballers are thick. Like, but what you're describing there is that you have to judge that down to a millimetre, a ridiculous. second. It's like a split second, isn't it? This is, but, but take it all in at the same time. Absolutely. And this is why you look at, I'm looking at it now, doing the punditry and doing the VA. I say, I don't know what I'm doing this now because the runs I made were literally on the line. I'd yeah. be probably offside most of the time now. Don't know. So my time when I played was my perfect time because everything about my, my stuff was about seeing his number down there, seeing like whether it's if I'm facing that way and I'm looking at the left back, seeing where he is so I can stay where he is, stay on the same line. So that when the ball comes, I can make that run and finding out if he's got enough time on it because he knows I want it over the top. So you have to make sure you see him so then he can't see you or he can't see yeah. you, but you, you, you're you using him. You know what I mean? You're using him. I didn't. To, to, yeah, so yeah. you're using him to make the bendy run. But now the bendy run, you can still be offside by his shoulder. But it's, it's interesting though because we put down here in some of the notes is like the art of goal scoring, you know, mm. um, you're kind of born with the pace you've got. Mm. You can train it a little bit. Shooting, yes. But the thing with you, which I always noticed and watching back all your goals, like last night I was watching them and it's it's the movement. Mm. It's the movement. Mm. And, I, and one thing I always got is, is I think you're always in the right place at the right time. And the question I had was like, we speak about um, Busquets mm. and he's, he's yeah. head always, always moving. Spolsy, yeah. And it's the yeah. same yeah. with that, isn't it? Because it's no coincidence that you're always in the right place. Is that natural or is that something you, no, you really know, worked on? You do, you work on that. You watch someone like, you watch someone like Linekup, Ian Rush. Yeah. Um, you know, them, them players, they, it's just, for me, what I learned from being in the box and trying to be in the right place is that try and get as close to the goalkeeper or in and around the closest person to the goalkeeper um, 
in, in, in the moment because at some stage the ball's got to go past either that person or it's got to go to the goalkeeper. So if you can then get yourself in a position where you're in the line of the goalkeeper, someone's going to have a shot where the goalkeeper's going to have to try and save it. So if you can get yourself in and around what the goalkeeper's movements then you're probably going to be in direct line with where the ball's going to try and come at some stage. Yeah, yeah. It's Put like, yourself in the optimal position, exactly. basically. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. so if you're in and around where you can... Then you're going to probably get the bounces. That's why I think that people say, God, he's always in the right position. Simply because you've got to be in and around where you feel that the ball might come through your trajectory on that line. And so the goalie might save it, and then you're close enough, you, you tap it in, but you've got to be close in and around the goalkeeper. I think there's there's a lot of good strikers in there, yeah. right? And there always has been, but I think that's the difference almost. Is We talked about training it and developing it, yeah. but there's a huge part of it which separates the good from the best, and that's Elite, got yeah. to be instinct. It's you, you, a big, big part. You know, there's an instinct, but then I'll tell you what really then kicks you on again. I got into the England squad um, at 26... Still at Palace at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you're training with, with Lineker um, and then you're training with Waddle and Barnes and Robson and that. And then you, you realise that this is where giving away the ball and you're going a six-a-side rondo um, kind of like situation or you're playing a five-a-side against another team. You give the ball away, what it means at that level. All of a sudden you're realising, Jesus Christ, there's another level to go to here. Yeah. There's another level because every defender's quick and sharp. Every defender's thinking like Des Walker. Even the defenders who are so-called not quick. That's why you can... Someone like John Terry, he's, he's just he's positional play. Tony Adams, the positional play. So you're dealing with someone who might not be quick or you think I might be able to get something off him. But his positional play, he'll block it. And then he'll, he'll make sure that like if the ball ain't right, he's in straight away. So no mistakes can be made. You can't just spin off a Des Walker because you, haven't, you know he's, he's too quick. So... What I learned then is how important it is to to know how much time the guy on the ball's got, know how much time, know if I've got the space to run in there and and stuff like that. It was just like constantly learning. When I when shit when I went into a squad with Shearer, Fowler, Ferdinand, Sheringham was in there with myself. We was in there and we had a shooting session. And I remember I, th I think I remember J Jermaine Jenner say when when he left um, the England training sessions. And he went back to Newcastle. He kind of his levels dropped. Yes, mine went. Mine went the other way, because I realised that's the level that I've got to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm staying to when I go back to training ground. Because these guys are not even missing targets. They're not missing the target. Their touch is not off. So when I went back, my levels went higher. I, 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 I needed more. I needed more from Stan Turner and the boss. I needed more because I was saying like, I, this. I remember speaking to Chris Waddle for about two hours. This was when I was in the second division at Palace and he told me about finishing. He told me about when you're in training, don't take the li don't take liberties because you're not going to get that time when you go higher. Yeah, yeah. Take the touch, get the shot off. Don't take don't take another touch and another. Get it done sharper. Make everything sharper and tighter. Can I say from a goalie's point mm. of view, right? So the, the the shooting sessions that you'll do, no matter what club you're at, if it's done match pace, yeah. If you if it's a shooting session done at match pace. I will perform so much mm. better because I know that everything has to be firing. I have to be on my toes for mm. everything. You know, it's bang, bang, and mm. it's quick as that. Like I said, when I used to go away with England, I was exactly the same as mm. you. We'd do a shooting session. Mate, you can't, like, you can't just leave that little half step and just not be bothered to take that yeah. little half step because they'll exploit it, mate. They'll mm. put it in the corner. It's a joke. And you were so, in with Bex, Goldie. It's the same thing, but a different era. But yeah. like I say, you'd go back to your training ground and you'll see them and then you'd almost get lazy again. Yes, because, because you're not getting the same level. Same of level competition. This is why 
this is why with England, even England at the moment, I'm very, very pleased with what's going on because there seems to be a lot of people pushing each other in there. It needs to happen. Yeah. Because like you, you can't always, when you go back to, you go back to your, your club and you're not playing against that caliber of striker. You're not going to be as sharp because you're, yeah. and so you have to make sure, this is why I went back. I said to him, I need more. I need, I need more now. I need more from that. So when I went to Arsenal, Jesus Christ, it was it was another level. I, you could hardly score past Dave Seaman in training. All right, we're going to come on to this because Dave would get Seaman's yeah. my favourite guy. What a guy, by the way. So, so just so, just quickly, Ben. So oh. so FA Cup nine, uh, final, yeah. nineteen ninety three all replay. Yeah, lose one nil. Yeah, was that the kind of spotlight for you? Majorly, majorly, because the FA Cup was everything for me when I was growing up. Yeah, it was massive. I didn't think I was going to get to play in that one because I, cr I cracked my fibula twice that season, and I think that I had about two and a half months. If 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 Arsenal, if Palace got to the got to the final, so my 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 rehabilitation was like literally on the a line, week yeah. on the line, literally to a week. And but so I didn't find their nuts basically. Palace yeah. to get you fit. They're yeah, they're nuts. doing everything, and in the end, I just made it. There was a game I played the week before. I played two games the week before. One was on the Monday. Um, in fact, I played a game before, and I was just like jumping out of things. I was scared because I we 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 got to the final, and I, so I wasn't doing the stuff. What you meant to do? Go in and tackle just be amongst stuff. yeah and so he, he, he sorted out another game on Monday and I'd done the same thing and he said listen I'm going to sort another game on Wednesday I'm going to get a game on Wednesday and if you play how you've played in the last two games you, you're, you're not I'm not going to pick you on you're not going to be fit enough to play and it was like it was really honestly I never felt so afraid for from one game to another so he told me this on the Monday after that game I had to play the game on the, on the Wednesday and like, remember, this is my dream. I've been watching the FA Cup final since the first one, 1970. And I just had to go into that game and let go. Just let go. Just done it. Sliding tackles. Scary had shots, that, yeah. isn't it? That's and then, you know what I mean? A big injury. Honestly, and, and twice as well. And the second time I got it done, it wasn't even a mad kick. It was just like a someone caught me by accident when I was going through, bam, and I landed awkwardly and he caught me and it went again. And I was like, and I was afraid of that. So, uh, so on, on the Saturday, when I was declared fit, I didn't get on till the 73rd minute. Then you come on, you score. Then you score again in extra time. I'm thinking I'm going to be that hero. What I saw so many years before with people scoring the winning goals in FA Cups, it didn't happen because Mark, you scored the, the equaliser. But then I remember the, for, the, for the replay. So now, all of a sudden, so just going back quick. So remember, so we're playing in the final and like the, 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 the week before the final, I could go down, my mum's my mum's down in Broccoli, down in Forest Hill and everywhere where I came from, and it was fine. The the, the Tuesday after the Saturday, when we was going to play the replay on the Thursday, I went down to my mum's, stopped cars in the street, people stopping on the street. I couldn't believe it, the, the, the change, yeah. all of a sudden. In a week, 10 in, days. It wasn't even 10 days, it was like from Saturday to Tuesday. So like the week, yeah, so you say the week before, like I went to see my mum before the final, just because just go and see everybody in that. The week after, the, like the week after the final the Tuesday before the Thursday before we actually lost, literally stopping the road. People on the street were stopping. Couldn't believe it. It was like my life, my life literally changed from that moment. It was like, um, it was like, and, and it was the greatest day of my life. Even even now, even though win, won, won the Premier League, that Cup was everything. It was it, everything. It was. We used to watch the the footage. Used to start at like eight a.m. Yeah. Uh, Do you know what? I'd love to see them. Give, yeah. I'd it love was, them yeah. to see them give a Champions League spot to the FA Cup winners. I would. Yeah. I think it. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Do it. You know, we 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 played uh, when I was at West Brom a few years ago. We had a big centre back, Jonas Olsen, right? And yes. He's from Sweden. Yes. And um, 
he, he used to whenever we had an FA Cup match, right? And it's the way that it's gone in this country. The FA Cup's kind of got watered down a yes. little bit. It never means the yeah. same as what it used to, mate. He he was like, listen, where we come from, the FA Cup, it's the biggest competition in the world. World for them. It is the biggest yeah, yeah. competition. FA Cup, and I remember us losing in like I don't know the fifth round or whatever it was. He was honestly fuming. Fuming, he had lost his because mm. to him, and but that's I'd love it to be like that again for everybody. Do you Honestly, know what I mean? I tell you what was one of the beautifulest things that just recently happened. I was playing golf with Sir Alex and in um, Loch Lomond. Me and Cheryl were there, and you know what I mean. We were, we were playing in a, a a really nice um golf competition, and. So Alex, Steve Koppel was there. Nice. Which is, you know, only way I see him, honestly. Steve Koppel, a legend, yeah. Honestly, he's like the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. He was. And um, <clears throat> I remember he walked past because he came up to see me. And, and so Alex said to him, absolutely done us a favour not putting him on in the second game. I was like, <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. But the thing about that was I heard that there was rumours that if I played in that second game, I might have gone to the 1990 World Cup. Oh, man. Which was... Italian 90. Yeah, yeah, which I was really devastated about because obviously I missed out on all the tournaments. Yeah. yeah. Missed out in 92, won the Golden Boot, didn't even go. Oh. Didn't take me. 94, we didn't qualify. 96, yeah. got got dropped at yeah. the, the, the last game. 98, tore my hamstring. When he t Glenn Oddle told me I was going, it was like... I was, honestly, it's devastating. Think That's why I probably think I, I get so... I get so, like, enamoured and, like, like animated... When we're when we're playing and when we're doing well in a tournament, I, I feel like I'm, I'm amongst it. Still. I think it's still. I think it must go to show though how much of a legend you must be if you've not really sort of played many times for England, haven't gone to a major trophy, major tournaments or anything. But still, it's Ian Wright. <laughs> what a guy, just, mate! It was goals. It was every season, wasn't it? What were you six seasons in a row? Oh, top yeah, yeah. Arsenal. It's just... Right. So anyway, let's talk about Arsenal. Let's bring it over to Arsenal. Yeah. So boom. Two and a half million pound club uh, record transfer massive fee. Massive money. Uh, yeah, it was massive, massive money. It's huge. But with that, obviously, a lot of expectation, yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. People, you've got to score goals. But mate, you've hat trick yeah, but, first game, yeah. Yeah, but the, the thing about it is, is that I was I was genuinely petrified because we, you remember, it was a time where the London news, London news showed. I don't know why I was watching it. I was just obviously we'd done the signing up. You know, I was actually at David Rocastle's house because I had to go from David Rocastle's to training the next day, um, and I remember watching it and on the Vox Pops. You know where they're doing the, the, the they were saying, well, "What are we signing him for? We've got players. We've got yeah, Campbell's uh, doing brilliant. Merson, Smith, Smith, because Alan Smith memories Golden yeah, Boot yeah, winner mate. twice. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know what I mean. It was like it was tough for our once I got there, but I was actually, um, I don't know what kind, how, how I could try and describe the fear um, to people because you know it's a it's a fear that you're totally out of control of you. You're just hoping, you're just hoping that you can. You, you're going to be good enough because you do start to question yourself. So with all of these early years, the kind mm. of recurring theme is that there was doubt and, yeah. and anxiety. In yeah. that. So at what point in your career did that, at any point, did you go, no, this is me, I'm here now and I am good enough? Did that kind of die away at, at no. any point? Or did no, that always kind of remain to a degree? No, I think it always remained simply because it was one of the main factors that drives you on because I felt that... Um, you know, if you get to a stage where, like, even when I was scoring all the goals at Arsenal and I was the main guy, main striker and stuff like that, you always feel like if I, if you start to act like, yeah, I'm the main striker, I don't need to, you're going to you're gonna probably lose that pretty quickly. Um, and I don't think with the way I came into the game, I ever gave myself the comfort of saying, oh, you can relax. Even now, even now, I can't, I can't do it simply because you always feel something's going to get taken away from you. That's what drives you then, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's what it is. That's Well, it's, it's, only, it's the only thing it could have been because at no stage 
did I ever feel like, yeah, I've done it. Even when I was at Palace and me and Brighty were the main guys there and stuff, I still felt like I had so much more to do. And I think that one of the best things that ever happened to me to to, to actually even give me even more of a boost on, on that is going to England. I realised, Jesus Christ, yeah, you might think you're playing well, but Levels. there's some people that are playing at some levels that if you want to reach there, you have your attitude, your work rate, Everything has to improve. And think, so that's all it that's was. Why I think in modern football, do you think that's why some players, they kind of hit the big times, but then what comes with the big time nowadays is money, isn't money. it? Like players are getting paid 150, yeah. 200 grand. And you see genuinely, it's game over. It's Look, almost like they sign the contract. And guys, we have, to, we have to try and put it into perspective for people like normal people who, who listen to this, who, don't, who will never earn those kind of monies. If you're a young, if you're a young guy coming off of um, a working class family, you know, you, you all of a sudden, let's take, let's take Emil Smith Rowe, for instance, you know, come out of the academy, probably on five, six, ten, I mean, let's say, let's say 10 grand, yeah. just because well, I don't know. Um, and, you know, you come through the academy, you go to 80 because you've come in, you've, you're, you're blasting it. That kind of money does something to you. At 21, 20, 21. It does something yeah. to you. Now, what I'm pleased about Emil is that nothing's changed with Emil. Yeah. Nothing's changed with Bukayo Saka. Mm. But with some players... Something changes them because not everybody's the same. And so you've got to understand if all of a sudden you're going from a 10 grand after tax, you know, 20 grand a month in, in, your, in, your, in your wages to 160 grand net a month, you know what I mean? You can buy everything you want. You can do something changes in you, yeah. which I can't comprehend because I, I must admit I, I, we did earn good money when we done it, but it was never the money. It was never the money what you're doing because you felt at that time as well, you had to do so much more to earn the money. So when you got it, you're thinking, my God, yeah, I've just got to keep working hard. But the guys are getting the money at such an alarmingly quick rate now that something has to happen to them. Yeah. And they, they are tested. They're all tested. They, and then you see which ones will come out the other side. Which one is the money affects and which one's the money don't affect? Just talking about Emil Smith well quickly. We played him obviously, didn't we? Last last mm. Sunday, last Sunday it was. Yeah. Like I agree with you, hundred percent, mate. Same as Bukayo. Like it's almost like they don't, they're not exposed to the world and mm. how it sort of like the money should affect them and stuff mm. like that. They, it's both like they both were on the pitch. They didn't give a shit about mm. anything other than playing that game and that moment, and that was it. Emil, Emil Smith Rowe, he's just. He don't care. He's, mate. He's he don't playing, care. I love game. it. Especially, I've watched him since he's like 15. I watched him playing in the academy, seen them both. You know what I mean? And they both are playing how they played then. And it's nice to see, but the point I wanted to make was when you're getting that kind of money, something happens to if If it's not you, it's the people around you. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows how you're going to react until yeah. you actually sign that contract. It, you see in, the money hit. Yeah. yeah. It's in you, though, isn't it? As like, you, you, you hear people say, if I won. 10 million quid, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd be on the beach, kind yeah, of, yeah. this kind of thing. Say, I'll be dead, I'll be dead, don't they? Yeah, but yeah. it's the same but, sort like, of thing. But yeah. when we started, we started the YouTube channel and doing, you know, I came full time with Ben in like April, May this yes. year. And I could genuinely say, if someone said to me, there's 10 million quid in your bank, I would be in the office every day. I'd be at it. I and, love it. And that's the I thing. Love you, it. You, you, the thing is, is that with me, and I'm sure with yourself, Foz, and like you're saying yourself, there's certain people you don't, it's not the money. It's taking me, It's, it's take, it takes, it takes people some time, a few years to find that out. Yeah. Some place, especially if, if some people, it is the money. After a while, if it is the money, you'll lose the money. Yeah, you will. Yes. Because if that's what you're chasing, at some stage, you, you're never, you, it, you're continually chasing. So it's never going to be enough. Mm. 
Right, let's 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 bring it back to Arsenal, okay? Like, so obviously you're you're a freak. We know we know six seasons on the bounce since you signed, top mm. scorer, boom, goals for fun, all over the place, all right. I think it'll be full of foolish of us whilst we've got you here to mm. not try and find out why you think you were. What was it about you playing football on a Saturday afternoon that? Stood you out differently to everybody else. What was it about you as a striker? When I, while I got, when I, in the professional game, in the pot, when you're in your when you're scoring goals, what is it that you've got that I think some young footballers could go off? Oh, if you could have that, you you it's, would do. It's, honestly, by then, Ben, I had so much belief. It was um, especially when you get people like Burkamp and Vieira and that lot behind you now. That kind of like quality Oof. of player, you know now. I've got the belief, knowing that I've got those players coming with me, then I'm at a certain level myself. But then knowing that I'm going out to the pit, on the pitch and looking back and seeing them behind me, I know that even if I'm having a bad game, if I, I know I'm, my mind is so focused on taking that chance, even if I'm having a bad game, I've got people who will give it to me. Mm. So my belief never waned in what I could do when I'm playing, if I get a chance. And when I went out there, as a striker, I believe I'm going to get one chance and I'm going to do the very, very best I'm going to do with it. And all, and when I say that is, I'm not going to miss the target. Goalie's going to have to make a save. I had the belief that I could do that in every game. In every game. So when I went out there, I believed I could score in every single game. So, I, so that never, ever came in my mind that I feel like, oh my, I've gone, I don't feel confident. I never went out there not feeling confident I'm going to do it because... In training all week, I'm I'm not I'm doing the same thing. I'm not missing targets. I'm making goalkeepers make yeah. safe. I'm trying to beat Dave Seaman. Dave Seaman being in goal made me a better striker. If you could beat him exactly on a Saturday. You know what I mean? To the point where I'd score goals and like it's not quite gone as far in as as, as you'd like it. You might the goalkeeper and you think to yourself, David Seaman would have He's saved that. that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you think to yourself, David Seaman just being in goal made me better. So when I go out there, I know that. First thing you look at and say, he's not as good as Dave Seaman. So if I get my chance, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to score against him. So I had so many different ways of feeling positive and being positive and being um, focused on being able to score that I didn't have no time to be anything but ready to take the chance. What he'll do is when he comes through to goal, if he's on the angle or something like that, he'll see that bottom right-hand corner. Mm. He might see the near post. He might see he might be stood up a little bit so I can just put it in the near post. But most of the time, David Seaman don't get his angles wrong, right? He knows that if you're going to beat him, it will have to be in that corner. Oh, perfect, almost yeah. posting in, yeah? Mm. It has to be posting in. Mm. So he'll be coming through a goal thinking, I have to put it in that corner. When you take that into games and you're against a lesser goalie, mate, that tiny corner just becomes a little bit bigger Big, as well. You, of yeah. you often... Uh, went back across the goalkeeper and I was watching yes. I, I watched on Sky last night mm. it was Premier League 100 Club I mm. watched them all the amount of times you've stuck it in that bottom corner off the post yeah. to the millimetre but the point I was going to make was when a player like yourself it's movement mm. and instinct mm. when you've got Vieira Paul Merson uh, Burkamp must have been mm. an absolute right. dream for yeah. you you know what you know what happened Tom and again this is why I'm saying what I'm pleased about is that at no stage did I take it for granted that I've got myself to a certain level to the point where I'm I'm now playing with Dennis Burkamp, Patrick Vieira. Patrick Vieira's a World Cup winner, Manny Petit, playing with World Cup winners. Um, and so at no stage did I take that for granted. And you, you make the move like sometimes, I remember I, t I told a story on, on, the, on my podcast that I remember when Dennis first got there, what was happening was, is that we was on the same side, but when I was making the run, it wasn't, it was like the ball was just coming behind or it wasn't quite right. And I remember Dennis just pulled me and he says, maybe just you can hold it a fraction. 
Because I think that because I didn't know him um, well enough yet. And what I learned is he's not getting it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, Ben? Yeah, yeah. He's not getting it wrong. Yeah. So then what happens is, is that... Yes, like, listen, come yeah. on, right. just maybe come just on. hold that fraction. Because remember, um, re remember we're dealing with um, somebody who I have to say, guys, I, didn't, I, don't, I can't remember the amount of um, training sessions where you think that Dennis... Had, well, Dennis weren't all right to... Can't remember. I can't remember any. Ask anybody. So when Dennis, after the first few sessions, and he's just saying, you know, what I mean, just maybe just, and we're talking about, especially in the games, just hold that run a fraction. Once we got it, bam, it was, it was just like I'm thinking to myself, and this is what I'm saying. I could play in a game, and I could have the worst. It could just be going wrong. Just Dennis's one moment through to me, bam. You know, thinking like I've got to put it in there. You know, when well, it's not quite gone in there, but it's not Dave Seaman. Bam, you score. All of a sudden, you're back on your game. It's all you're back. Yeah, you know, because if you look at it, you think to yourself, you, you talk about 313 goals, I'll probably miss another 100 and odd. Easy. Probably miss another 300 and odd. But people remember the goals because that's what it's about, scoring the goals. I've missed loads, of missed chances. But what I try to do in every single game I've played in, especially once I had that great chat with Chris Waddle at the PFA, two hours talking about finishing, any game I'm going into, I'm more upset with missing the target than anything else. It's criminal. It's, it's, it's sacrilege. Should never miss the target as a striker. Tell us the goalie. Always make the goalie make a save. You can hit it through. Sometimes you see people go through. So hit it through the goalie. Because when he comes, he's got to do that. Go through here. It, yeah. Hit him there and yeah, go in. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you don't have to be that precise. Especially when they're coming out. There's, a, there's the goal don't move. It's still behind him. The main thing is, is you've got to understand. I've just got to get it past him. I haven't got to get it round him there so you're standing here, Ben. I haven't got to go way round there. I've just got to get it past you here. Somewhere there. Yeah, just by your shoulder, by your seat, by your arm, under here. So then it, it goes in the goal and sometimes people try to be too precise. Can I say, I think the two words I would use to describe you most as like your biggest attributes as a footballer. One is desire, yes. which I think for any footballer is the probably the biggest thing that you mm -hmm. can have. But two, and we said about it, it's like walking here, ruthless. Right. Oh yeah. my God, in front of the goal, right? I, you know, I used, to, I used to say to the goalies as well, especially especially at home or where our fans were, I said, you, you make sure you don't drop it. Mm. If you yeah. drop it, the next thing you're hearing is our crowd. You're yeah. hearing the crowd because I'm there. And the thing is, because it's a time where you could challenge the goalkeepers as well. You could challenge a goalie. Oh, we did as well. You know, you, have to challenge, <laughs> you could challenge a goalie because then what happens is it kind of puts a bit of a doubt in their mind. Heck yes, it does. You, oh, it's horrible, mate. It puts you a doubt know, in their mind. If, even though, if it's a free ball and I'm coming to get it, if you're going for it, I'm looking at you. I'm taking one eye off that ball to yeah. look at you. Yeah. And it will stick in your head for the next one as well. Has that gone out of the game now, Ben? Uh, to an extent, yeah, to an extent. Yeah. You still get the odd one or two that will do it, though. That will leave someone. Louis Suarez, I remember. Horrible yeah. little shit, honestly. Yeah. Horrible. But I would want him on my team doing it. Yeah, you do. I want that guy yeah. on my team doing that Anything all the time. you can get the, the, the fraction of, a, of, 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 what can I say, um, the margins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to take, yeah, you've got to take, the, you've got to take it. And what about when um, Arson came in? Yeah, God. What was that like? It's, it was scientific. You know what I mean? Even speaking to him, speaking with him the other day and what I'd say with Arsene Wenger more than anything else is just not being at the age where I could have been with him long enough because even Arsene says you know he came, I came too late for you yeah he was, you were 33 when he, I didn't yeah. realize you were yeah. 33 when he came yeah. in yeah. 33 and you know it was one of those you know when you feel you feel something's happening here man something's happening here you know because remember he we, we no one knew Arsene Wenger was who Arsene Wenger was but what he says, and what he says in um, when you see when he done that thing with Mr. Dean the other day was, what he needed to do is make sure that he he he, 
he planted someone like Patrick in there. So it's when you see Patrick and what Patrick's capable of, you say, yeah, but we don't know him. But look at the players he's capable of getting. And so then you, you build it off of the fact that, wow, that's what he's capable of he must, doing. He, must know he changed everything from, from night to day in how we, we prepared. And everybody, everybody jumped on it. Everybody jumped on it to the point where Dennis, I, we weren't allowed tea when we'd, when we'd link up. And I remember sneaking tea bags in one time and I was going to make it in the room. Dennis went, what are you doing? Wow. And I went, tell me a tea. cup of tea. He said, yeah, but we, we can't have tea. And everyone, so everyone's bought into it. Everybody's bought into it to the point where then, then you started to deal with Dennis and speak to Dennis and said, Dennis says, I'm doing this at home. Wow. So what Wenger got us doing was only drinking water, no tea, no sugar at certain times, no salt, no pepper, no nothing. No nothing. All the stuff that you have that you think is just every day, oh, that's fine. All of that stopped. You're literally eating for fuel. It's purely for fuel. Everything was just boiled and bland, but like it was fuel. And in the end, people, people started doing it at home. That's why we, we we were like monsters at the end of that 98 season with that 10-game unbeaten run. Yeah. We were like monsters. Jesus Christ. So what about... It's making me nervous. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm built like that, righty. I don't. I don't think You're I can not, live like that. You're not. Honestly, you know what? I you don't. buy into it very quickly because what, what will happen is, and Arsene Wenger said as well, listen, I want you because we're taking B6, B12, creatine, vitamin injections, everything was happening. He says, people who are not going to do it, you will be left behind. People who kind of like slow to do it, you, you can literally notice in training after two months, two, three months, the people who are not doing it regularly. So being the kind of person you are, did that almost like, I bet that kind of triggered you a little bit in terms of, well, I better do this because otherwise I won't be. Yeah, but at first there was a little bit of apprehension at the start because like people were saying all sorts of shit about creatine and what it does to you and okay. and then the tablets and that. So you everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? Because this is something that was happening regularly in France and in Germany and all those places, Italy. They were doing that. Wenger just brought it to us. So at first, you, you, you're kind of like, well, I'm taking those. And then after a while, you just jump on board because if you don't jump on board for a start, you, you're going to get moved on. You're going to get shipped. But the fact is, once you do get on board and then you start seeing the training sessions go to another level of intensity and, and just everybody's just stronger, quicker, faster, everything. It, you, you soon just say, whoa, this is working. Pioneer, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Was, it was, it's quite well documented, isn't it? That mm. was a bit of a boys club at Arsenal in Tuesday club. early. Tuesday and... club was, yeah, it's a bully culture, you know, because um, I wasn't a great drinker anyway, even before. You know, I'm one of those. If I have two pints, I'm literally like, I might as well. I need a. I, I can make a fucking rut to the fucking toilet every two seconds. I'm that guy. Right. Open the seal. Bam, 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 bam. Constantly going to the toilet. So I didn't like to used to drink anyway. At the, but when you went there, it felt pressured, simply because that's where things got sorted out. That's where the kind of like the culture of like, ah, oh, look at him. Oh, he's got a thumbprint on his forehead. Oh, he's got to go home. His missus. Oh, it kind of felt like that, but it was a place. I went to, I went to all the time that we did go there and the foreign guys came towards the end. They just drank what they drank, like juice or whatever it was. But it got to a different place and obviously once Tony stopped, it all stopped. Yeah. But leading into that, it was um, it was one of those places where just things just was, it just got awkward and sometimes very uncomfortable and things got sorted and it was it was okay, but I could, it, it wasn't needed for me. So is, is that, I heard a story recently which really made me laugh. You'll have to confirm it for me. Mm. Is it true that when Arsene Wenger walked in, Ray Parler said, who the fucking hell are you? No, no, he didn't say that because you're never, as a, as a player, you're never going to say that to the new manager. <laughs> you're 
say it. So people have got to understand that, you know, Ray Parler, we do under a breath. We'd all, because I remember when they they said it to me, I just finished a game. There was a, there was a game that um, we, we just finished. Um, I can't remember when I was doing an interview because I saw it flash up on the telly the other day on, on Arsene Wenger's film. And I was doing it, just finished, and they said, yeah, so your new boss, Arsene Wenger. And I went, ooh, you just said it naturally. Everybody said who, because we didn't know him. You know, Ray Parley would have probably said that to uh, his closest confident people, like the lads, but you're never gonna, you're never gonna say yeah. that to anyone else. But like, um, it was definitely, a, who is this guy? You know, he's right. just changed everything. Let, let's move, so uh, obviously Arsenal, wow. How many goals, it was like 185 goals. Yeah. Yeah. We get out of Arsenal, a few other teams, mm. Celtic, how does that happen? That was, um, you know something, that happened because I, w- I was at West Ham, um, I went out on loan to Forest, and then Henrik Larsson broke broke his leg, and then John Barnes took over, and Celtic was my team. Barnesy gave me a call, and you know, I mean, I said absolutely no, no problem. I didn't want to go back to West Ham because people don't realize everybody goes on about Harry and how oh, Harry's great. Harry, oh, I cheat you, Chappie Harry. It's a nightmare when he goes the other way. Yeah. Total nightmare. You don't want to be around him. You know what I mean? And then afterwards, you know, I remember, I, I, I remember, I got injured after a Newcastle game. I slid, done a knee slide. Um, and I felt something in my knee, just a little clunk. And so nothing happened. So I went back to training. Then I st- trained on the Tuesday and it went again. I went, ah, but they had Swansea in the cup. And he was, sa- he was saying that I, 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 like, I fobbed it off. Oh, I didn't fancy it. Never done that in my life. And you know, since then, so that was, that was 99. It would have been 99 or something, late night. And then I never, we never spoke from then. Then I went in one morning, he said, yeah, Forrest want you on loan because David Platt was there. So I said, yeah, no problem, I'll go. Went there. And then while I was there, the Celtic thing happened. And so I went there and um, that was, as, it was amazing. Yeah. It was very much a goldfish. The fans, fans were amazing. I thought that the press were a little bit over the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then what they're going to do, they, you know, you've got Ian Wright, the kind of a character of, you know, a, a, a controversial character yeah. coming to Celtic. They know what they're getting. Yeah. And so you got the Rangers, so the Rangers side of it. So it kind of like piled on a bit, you know what I mean? I kind of got a lot of um, stick people following me and I, all that sort of stuff. Like press people going back and trying to find stuff just to put more pressure on. And it was pressure, pressurized enough as it was. Remember, I was what 34, 35. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. I, I would have been about thirty-four. So you know, I mean, it's not like I'm in my prime. Is that an easy decision to make, just to go up to Scotland? Because I think if somebody says to me, it was for me because it was Celtic. It was for me because it was Celtic. Yeah, yeah. for a year. Or Very two. easy to Did go you there. Play in the old firm. Yeah, played in. Yeah, played in the one at, at Ibrox. Tell us about that atmosphere. That um, meant to be something else. Well, the thing about it is, it's 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 not an atmosphere where, um, like for instance, England and Rome, England in Rome, for it um, against Italy to qualify for the World Cup, and you could feel. Yeah. The atmosphere is one, a sporting atmosphere where it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is tense. Um, the atmosphere at Rangers with the songs that were saying, what they were singing before and what was going on, and it was scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt the tension, yeah, the tension felt like something that's getting ready to spill over and well, go. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't enjoyable because yeah. the lead up to it wasn't enjoyable. Um, and the game itself, in the end, we, we lost the game 4 2. But like, I've never. I've never played in a game where I've gone on there feeling apprehensive yeah. in my stomach. My stomach was like all weird and that. You get on with it, but then you've got players like players like from the Rangers players just smashing into you. Yeah. Um, so you didn't feel you didn't feel like it was a fair place to be playing for me at the time. And people talk about how 
oh my god, that, what's that like? It's, like, it's, it's not. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like oh my god. One thing I'd love to do again is playing the, the old firm derby. No, not at all. It wasn't. It wasn't a nice atmosphere to play football in. Uh, play, I played up there once with Man United. It was a Champions League match, and I've got to say, I was exactly the same. I didn't enjoy it. The atmosphere it got in me massively. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it at all. I, 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 would, I, would, I would go as far as say I was. I was afraid. Yeah, it is. It's like that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I horrible. Afraid. I played yeah. one out in Turkey once as well. <laughs> same Turkey. thing. We, we, that? Oh, gosh. Was the sick oh. We played England Turkey. They oh. were throwing spark plugs from the from bonkers. the from the wow. rafters. They're bonkers, aren't they? Crazy it was. Um, what, what about North London derby? Amazing, yeah. especially at White Hart Lane. Simply, really? Yeah, because you don't feel the same kind of pressure. The, the thing at Highbury, being at Highbury, um, you, you're more nervous because our fans are in their, in their ground and Tottenham are coming there. And if Tottenham beat us there, it's even worse. They didn't very often. No, 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 they didn't. I think they beat us once, one time there when it was 3-1, but we were playing in the cup final the next week. So it was. you kind of say, yeah, well, it's fine. Took because, your foot off the gas. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, you could say that, yeah. but... When you're talking about going into that derby and, you know, the fans, it doesn't matter what kind of game it is, they are so adamant. You can't lose to these lot. You can't lose to Spurs. And I like playing at White Hart Lane because it just I just felt like it made me stick my chest out a bit more because I had to be on, I had to be my best. Yeah. I had to be my best. I was I was a Tottenham fan as a kid, right? Mm. And for me, that game, that that Tottenham Arsenal, woof. It, it felt like recently, over the last probably I don't know, maybe four or five years, it hasn't maybe meant as not mm. that it's not meant as much, but I think the two teams are different to what they used to yeah. be. They would always be up there, Arsenal especially. Um, but in the last, I'd say this this season specific, like you know, what was it, four nil, five one, or something like that, early in the season. Do you think it's yeah, changed three, though with the young nil. lads coming through again? Well, this is what I'm saying, Tom. This is what I was about to say with. Saka, Emmy Smith Rowe, Maitland Niles, with all those guys that have come through, they feel it yeah. because that goes through the clubs. It goes through Spurs, it goes through us in respects of um, what it means to not lose that game. And it, 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 when I was there with Tony and David Rowcastle, Merce, and all the guys who were there who came through the, the Arsenal youth team in the academy, Literally, their demeanour changed. Yeah, the and then the joke, is it? Yes. Then a joke, yeah. The change, the demeanour changes, and you get into that, you buy into that. I think as the years have gone by, it's changed because they haven't got the same affinity for the actual the actual game. They know that Tottenham, oh, Tottenham are our biggest rivals, but they don't feel it. Yeah. Because when I signed for Arsenal, David Rowcastle, I was in his house till five in the morning. Must have talked, most of the time, we was talking about what it means not to lose to, to Tottenham. Well, they felt it. You see Tony Adams in the dressing room before this game. You know what I mean? Veins uh, like the size of your arm. So this is this is why it was so great to play in them, especially at White Lane, scoring an equaliser at the death, scoring a winner at the death. Best time. For me. I think like right, he's played through the pomp of English football. I love football at the minute. I do, well, but I think it just meant so meant so much more like back then. Yeah, but you've it got did. to remember, Ben, as well. We were t we were kids, so it meant more yeah, to maybe, us maybe. as well. Yeah, maybe. However. I, we you touched on it earlier on when we were saying about the pomp of English football. Mm -hmm. You look at the England English strikers yeah. playing at that time, and it is frightening. Is heavy? It? Yes. Like Shearer, yeah. Fowler, even heavy. towards the end, like yep. Owen, Ferdinand, yep. Fowler, Cole, Cole, Jesus. Collymore. Christ. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And and you know even you know you know even Dion Dublin. Yeah. You know what I mean? People don't give put Dion on that kind of list and that, but for a striker, straight up striker. He was magnificent, yeah. and then he'd go and play centre back as well. Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he just was because he could. Utility player, mate. You know, but the thing is, is that I mentioned about um, 
having to keep your levels. You know, you, you'd come in, you know, chasing down Shearer. Remember Shearer missed three years of football with his knees and he still blasted a record out there that no one's, no one's got not close to yet. You got him. You come in, you say, I've scored two. Ah, Shearer scored a hat-trick. I score a hat-trick, Shearer scores four. Yeah. Or I score three, Shearer scored two. So yeah. you're, you're, not really, you're not really making no move on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And this is why we, we, we joke about it all the time. And then you've got Andy Cole. You know, Les Ferdinand had that season like, at Newcastle. Yeah. You know, Les Robbie Ferdinand when he first played Robbie, Spurs, wow. Robbie Fowler. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just like, you just, Teddy Sheringham. What a player. <laughs> so, 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 so talking about player, and share, okay, so I was watching I watched the, the YouTube documentary you did the other day with well not the other day that you've got on your YouTube channel yeah. with with obviously with Sean and Demand. Yes. And you're talking about the Alan Shearer goal, you know the one he scores oh, for Newcastle against, against, yeah, against Schmeichel, yeah. So the ball's come over the top and he's he's volleyed it with the inside of his foot, but he's curled it backwards. It's amazing. So if you volleyball with your inside of your foot, you're normally curling it. Say you do it it's, your right foot, yeah. you go right to left, yes. it would curl. He's curled it the other way round. Mm into the top left corner. And that in itself, what, it's, it's outrageous, but isn't I was, it? I'm trying to explain, because people think that he's just a hot shot Amish. He's just like, bam, everything's blast because it, one of his great goals was against Everton, I think it was Everton. Which right in goal, yeah. yeah. And then it was the same with, I think he done one against Chelsea it's with Rocket, Desai. Just, yeah, just like, just barged off Desai and just blasted it in. But this goal, he hadn't scored for a few games as well. And it came from about 30 yards that way. Yeah. And he's found himself just that side of the six yard yeah. box. And he's got it with the inside of his foot and he's curled it back into the top corner with Schmeichel in goal. Schmeichel just stood there. Like, it's like, jumped, didn't and it? again, you think to yourself, that, that that skill and to execute that, I don't care who you are. Yeah. I'll, give you, I'll give you 100 goals at that. And if you do that once, yeah. I'm, I'm giving you all the props you, you want. Every yeah. single thing, you do that once. So this, this is why, another question I've got now then is, so let's move on from football. Mm. You've, you've just recently retired. Yeah. Why not become a coach? You know something, I, it's, it's the question that I'll c continually ask myself simply because the, the, the agents that I was with at the time, um, with, with all the, the noise that was about when I was made, because I'd done Top of the Pops and off the back of Top of the Pops, ITV wanted me to do something, done another Top of the Pops, then I'd done this chat show kind of like pilot for ITV. Hosting, then that, hosting, hosting Top of the Pops, yeah. nice. And so then I'd done this pilot and then that went crazy, everybody loved that. So then I'd done this show, Friday Night's All Right, and this was while I was still playing. So it was kind of like, almost like my 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 and my my next career was kind of opening up without me even really knowing about it. So I thought to myself, yeah, oh, this is all fine. I'm having fun at the moment, I'm playing football, I'm doing television. It's brilliant. Bridging, the, I'm kind of bridging the the two like careers. And then then all of a sudden it comes to the point where I am stopping, and I needed that time. I needed I needed that two years to not do anything because I did want to coach. Um, and not because I wanted to coach because I want to be a manager or anything. I just, it was one thing that was always said was, um, you know what I mean? Just do them. You never know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you always hear managers. He's a manager. I never even, when I was in the dressing room, I never thought he would have been yeah, a manager. Yeah. yeah. So I just thought just to have them. And these guys, they steered me away from it. It's, Why do you want to be a manager? You know, you, can, you don't spend no time with your family. Don't you? And the thing is doing the television is exactly the same. The you don't spend a lot of time with your family. You're all over the country, especially with the shows I was doing. And it's one of the regrets. And I think that I should have been stronger. Myself, I said, no, nah, I'm going to take the two years off. There was no financial problems, nothing around. I could have just taken them off and said to them, no, I don't. But they were saying, yeah, but if you don't do it, your future and then your television, what about the television? What's going to... And so they kind of kind of got me into positions that, all right, I'll do it. And I didn't, I didn't do the badges. Just went straight into television and to the point where 
I'd done the television show for a while with the chat shows, then that kind of faded off. Then I went to the BBC, then I started doing game shows, went ITV game show, and then I started to lose my way because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And so what I'd done was in the end, I stopped doing them all and just went into punditry. Yeah, I think... I think it's my thing... fault. I, I, I'm not going to blame them. As I, I have to blame myself as well. I should have been a lot firmer about that because I do miss being in and around the dressing room area. I know for a fact, righty, that if you, I think there's, there has to be a specific role for strikers, uh, like a, a striker coach, for example. So if just listening to you today, for example, you, I've listened to you many things, and I think, oh my god, he just knows what he's talking about. When you really drill down to the fine details, and if you've got a striker coach in at any, well, it doesn't matter what club it is. Showing those strikers the little movements, mm. the fake movements, the playing on shoulders, the in behind, when to do it over the goalie, do it early. Do you mm. know what I mean? You said in that again into that YouTube document, documentary, one big thing for you was taking it early, early before the goalie has a chance to set. And it is, it's the nightmare. Like I'm as a goalie, I have to get set before I can push off and Absolutely. move. And so when a player takes it early, but that's the difference. You see it in the top players and they know that, like you would know yeah. that. And I think that would be an amazing thing to be able to do is to just pass that knowledge on a little bit. As it was, well. I'll tell you what, what I used to mean, because Dave, Dave Seaman didn't want to do a lot of diving about after training. He wasn't that goalie. You know, someone like Alex Meninga would dive around all day. Yeah. All day. He was magnificent. But me and Dave Seaman used to talk about what would happen here. And watch when I'm when this is happening, Dave. So when I'm here, I'm I'm just going into the box. Like I scored a goal against for Leeds, against Leeds, against John Lukic, and it was perfect. What Dave Seaman Top said. Corner, chipper. He said, yeah, yeah. He said, listen, Ian, you know the parameters. Of the, you know where the 18-yard box is. You know when you start to see that little D. You know, you know where you are. The goalkeeper, especially if he's looking, he see if he sees your heads down because I was going towards him, but my I was trying to keep this ball. I was trying to get the ball and keep it away from Weverall, right? But then. As my head's down there, I'm just starting to see the, the line come. You know, the 18-yard, yeah, I'm yeah. starting to see the circle of the line. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to chip that because there's no way he's ready for this. He can either catch it and you go, ah, or you chip him. And the reason why I was done that, because Dave Seaman would say, he'd be looking to see, right, has he got enough time to shoot? Um, and he'd be looking, like, am I setting this? So, so he's thinking, this, bam, it's, I've already chipped it. He's chipped it because he's not expecting it. Because when you look where John Lukic is for that particular goal, you think to yourself, what are you doing there? People say, what are you doing there? Because he's not expecting the chip. This is what I mean about the details, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's exactly right. If you're running through on goal and you've got a player onto you there, yeah. and you haven't looked up at the goal yet, you don't. You can't place it. You won't no. open your foot up and no. place it into a corner. No. You're blasting it. You're, you have to just get it out of your feet yeah. and blast it, which for a goalie makes your mind up for mm. you. It's easier for me then because mm. I can take a little step out, yeah. narrow the angle a little Even bit, more, yeah. and just be prepared to make a reaction yeah. save sort of thing. But once you lift your head up, it's a completely different shot to yes. save. I have to retreat almost, yeah. knowing he can bend it round. Yeah. These are the little details. The deta and and thing is, is I, love, I love talking about it. So I was speaking with Jamie Carragher. Probably going to do something with Jamie at some stage just to try and let people understand the intricacies of what the goalie's doing. I, and because I know so much what the goalie's doing, because Dave Seaman tells me, if I'm here, I've got to make sure, like the goal against Everton, the one that went bam, bam, bam. Because I know Dave, uh, like Neville Southall, has to be there in the goal from the angle I'm coming into it. So then all I do is I say, well, there's, there's loads of gold there, so I'll just, I'll just lift it. You know what I mean? It's just knowing, you know, and if you know enough and you can continually like rep repetitious with what you're doing, you know where goalkeepers are. You yeah. know when they do that little step where they're off the ground, 
And then it turns into a science, bro. Yeah. I love it. It's hey, a master of your see. craft, mate. He's People a master of your craft. That's it, what it is. It? You have to learn your craft. You have to yeah. learn the little details, the bits that, like you say, the percents that gets you did, an advantage. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago. It was the goalkeepers' union, and we yeah. had uh, a couple, uh, we couple don't of those old teammates yeah. Yeah. in. And I kind of just sat there for an hour. And I'm not I was joking. Like blown There's not away. enough goalkeeper yeah. coaching um, on punditry. Not enough. See David Priest do his stuff on Twitter, brilliant. Yeah, he's Love good, it. isn't he? You're doing your stuff yeah, now. Good. But like we're not seeing, like, like Robert Green, Robert Green came on, done the Premier League show with me. He was magnificent. He's magnificent. And I just think that we do need to hear more from goalkeepers and, and, and stuff like and, and And what they, the art. The it's, art. A, it's the same thing though. You can break everything down. Like, especially with every every goal that goes in, right, right? You can break everything down on that goalkeeper yeah. of what he did for mm. that goal, and you might you, you're not going to save everything. You won't, right? But what you can do is you can get yourself into an optimal position every single time, like you said yeah. earlier, playing off shoulders, getting yourself into yeah. an optimal position mm. where in between the goalkeeper. And it's the same with goalies, mate. It's it's class. I love so, talking the details. Honestly, the details people don't realise, do they? Yeah. They the don't. De the details. That's are the incredible. difference. I think that's. And if you're ready to go into that, that's what will make you give you that extra. That extra bit, like Harry Kane, I heard Patrick Bamford said, what I noticed more than anything else is how clinical Harry Kane is. Yeah. So he'll go back to Leeds and realise, well, if that's what I'm trying to get to, I've got to be as clinical as that. What do I need to do? Yeah, talking about Harry Kane, um, played against San Marino the other night. Is that the sort of game as a striker you're thinking, oh my God, I'm Harry, filling my Harry, boots. Harry yeah. Kane scoring four against San Marino. Yeah. Matter, sounds sounds familiar. Yeah, well, to be honest, because I, I scored four against San Marino myself, I'm thinking Harry's done brilliantly there. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is um, we went 1-0 down after eight I, seconds. I know, yeah. the thing with that was, um, is we, you, 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 I, 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 I can't understand how you can, at San Marino could be at that level now. I think they've got to look at that. Something, I agree, um, yeah. We can't do anything but beat what's in front of us, but they've not improved. From the time I've played them, 93, 94, whenever it was, or, you know, it, to now, they've actually got worse. Yeah. Faroe Islands, you're looking at countries like that, they're getting better slowly. Yeah. Something needs to be done, especially when you look how hard it is for them to um, qualify out of the African nation, yeah. Out yeah. Of their, their stuff, you know what I mean? It's very difficult, it doesn't seem right, but, Saying that, you know, um, you look at I look at at the list, and it was Wayne Rooney, um, Wayne Rooney. It was it was, it was Wayne Rooney, um, and on the list of the goal the scorers, yeah, you got Charlton, Rooney, <laughs> yeah. Lineker, Harry Kane, Harry Kane, and Jimmy Greaves. And you look at Bobby Charlton and Jimmy Greaves; they weren't playing in games like that. Yeah, true. No, you know what I mean. But like, no. I'm not going to take anything away from Harry. But we have to look and see that those guys are top of that, and they were playing in the '60s. And they're still in the top end. So yeah. we, we're talking about elite. Elite, yeah. Scoring goals against elite. proper teams. Yeah. <laughs> All right, righty. I've got some questions for Go you. Go on mate. then. Okay, right. Boom. So, <laughs> best goalkeeper you ever played with? I think I know the answer to this, and I hope it's the answer to this. He's, my, he's an idol of mine. It's David Seaman. Love that. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go on too much because I've done it already, but he, he made me a better striker. Yeah. He what made about, me realise I had to be better. What about the goalkeeper you played against? Schmeichel. Yeah. yeah, Schmeichel was tough. Schmeichel was he's very tough to the point where um, we 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 were driven by hate, a hatred of each other. Yeah. Scored a great goal against him in the Community Shield, and he always says, "Yeah, but it didn't really count." Um, but it does count to the tally. And I scored a couple of penalties against him in South Africa and stuff like that. But he was somebody that when I went onto the pitch, and I think it's something that was to my detriment. I. I I played into his hands. Really? I wanted to be, yeah, wanted to score too much. I was going to say, would it make you raise your game? But it obviously too much, though. Yeah, yeah. what I should have done is should have backed off it. Yeah. I can finish. 
I can finish. I've play shown up. Yeah, play my game. And that's what I was saying. You know, I got too wrapped up in wanting to score and wanting to tease him with it. I love that. So This is class, mate. I love this. Um, right, best player you've ever played with? Dennis. Dennis Bergkamp. Yep. Yeah. I think Gaza, I, I have to mention Gaza simply because of how great Gaza was. And he's got to get something. And I played with him. And the, t and the times I played with him, he was magnificent. But yeah. playing with Dennis on a daily basis and then on a Saturday and seeing what he's done, he's the best signing. I think he's the best signing Arsenal made. Really? Easily, yeah. There's something about that natural footballer, isn't it? That, yeah. like, it's like a real emotional Everything thing. Everything about him. Out but love him. You just look at him and he's, 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 he's probably perfect. And he's, the size he is, the, the length of his arms, the length of his legs, the size of his boots. He's perfect to be a footballer. And then there's a guy as well, class, yeah. Yes, yes. I love this stuff. Right? What about uh, played against? Best player you played against? Fabio Cannavaro. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah, good. Fuck, you know, that was a... That was a that was a real education because, like I say, we're talking about like he's the only defender to ever win the FIFA Player of the Year, yeah. the Ballon d'Or, I think. And um, and you know why he's got, he's got everything. <clears throat> he's yeah, and he's he's what I think he's, I think I'm touring him. He's like five seven five yeah, he eight. Wasn't big, was he? Yeah, he, wasn't big, was he could leap. He could leap. He could. His head. He could probably touch the ceiling yeah. there. Quick, strong, um, unbelievable. Like defensive nous in respects of positioning. Um, just, just every, everything. It was just like a, a real like education just to be playing against him. And you know what? I, I know, again, like playing against him, I raised my game. I played some of my best games against him. You know what I mean? And what was good about it is that afterwards, you know, he gave me his shirt and stuff, lift me up. And even when we done ITV together, he was saying that he was quite concentrated when he played against me because he knew that I was trying to make yeah, those yeah. runs. But like to hear those things makes me happy simply because I knew that the work wasn't in vain. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I, at least I know going in there, I remember scoring a really nice goal against Italy in the Tournoi and Carnivaro was meant to be picking me up, but I, I, I moved on to Chiro Ferraro and just roasted him. And like what I wanted him to know was, if you leave me for a second, I'm going to take the piss out of your mate. And so I scored that goal. And I remember when we done the, um, the World Cup, might have been in Brazil, and he said, I didn't want to leave you because I saw what you'd done to Chiro. Um, That's and, a badge of honour, isn't it? Honestly, it made me feel like, see, everything what I'm thinking is right. It's real because I can. I, he's really good, and I might not be able to get something from him. But if he leaves me, he knows that I'm good enough to I'm get something. So, so I was I was quite pleased to hear him say something like that because he's the best. He's how, the best. How ever. nice is it to hear stories from other oh, people about? That. Imagine how many stories you've got the defenders out there. <laughs> that have gone, this time I thought I could do this against yeah. Dan right, but he did that and absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, fucked yeah, yeah. me. Like it'd be incredible. <laughs> isn't it? There'll be so many of them out there. It's incredible. What about the hardest, toughest defender you've played against? Like we're, we're like As rough. In rough, yeah. There's a guy called um, Keith Stevens. He used to play for Millwall. Rhino, oh, he called him. Ugh. And the thing about it is I loved him as a as a person. You see him afterwards, but like he was a typical Millwall player who they absolutely adored. And Head he stuff, yeah, stuff, he ugh. gave me just and he, he wasn't quick, he wasn't he was just like rough. He's rough. It's like when I played against Martin Keown when Martin Keown was at Aston Villa. Horrible. Horrible, horrible. you know, just really horrible. But yeah. I think Keith Stevens, and you know why I, I, I want to give him some love, Keith Stevens, because while he's playing for his team, he'd literally have done anything to win and stop me. Anything. And there was times where he could have done me, could have broke my leg, he could have done anything like that because it was Millwood or Millwood fans probably would have loved it. He never done it. He was just fucking hard against me. Decent. And I'm real, I've got to give him that like, I've got to give him that love because he could have easily finished me. Could have could have killed me off. Um Highbury or the Emirates? Hybrid, it's not even a question. Oh, come on, come not on. even a question. That was your question, I think. Oh, no, but it's okay, Ben. <laughs> you know what I mean, but like the hybrid. All right, highlight of your career. 
lifting the Premier League. Yeah, ninety eight was it? Yeah, lifting yeah. the Premier League. You know, and it was a season where I was I, I was started it so well, and then I got injured, and I got back towards the end. And I feel like if I stopped playing now, and I didn't have a Premier League medal with the goals that I scored for Arsenal and that, because I even thought like even breaking the record, I didn't think one hundred and seventy nine goals for a club of Arsenal's stature was enough. So in the end, Thierry breaking it, bringing it to two twenty eight is it's much more of a a kind of a, a record that you look at and say, yeah, that's a proper record because the club, um, they deserve a record like that. So winning the league at that club, what I went there for, I've won everything domestically from England and then we won the European Cup Winners' Cup. So what I went to Arsenal for, I achieved, but I think winning the league is, is gives me the most joy. If, if, if Palace won the FA Cup, in um, in ninety, that would have given me really, the most joy. Yeah. yeah, that would have done it. Okay, so this is an interesting question. So I think a lot of people think that football is in general just it's just cloud nine all the time, mm. having a lovely time, but it's not like that. Mm. What has been the lowest moment of your footballing career? Um, I think um, it's probably it's probably the nineteen ninety six getting left out of yeah. um, the Euros, home Euros, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, it's it's one that I will never ever be able to to get over because Terry Venables, I was somebody that I I'd scored in big games. I've come off the bench and scored in big games. I made my 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 first goal for England was coming off the bench and scoring a goal. So having the the golden goal in England, in our in our tournament, I'm thinking I'm going to make that squad. He yeah. took he took Robbie Fowler and he took um, Les Ferdinand. They never played a minute. So I'm thinking with my with my previous of coming off the bench, I'm yeah. just thinking, I can't get over the fact that I know that in 96, if the England fans saw me warming up, ready to come on, that does something to this crowd. That does something. Yeah. And for, for Venables to not recognise and not put me in was something that I will never, ever forgive him for. And simply, because I, f I felt like I was destined to score the golden goal for England, for us to win. We should have won the tournament. Yeah. And I, I, nothing's going to stop me from thinking I was a missing piece for that. Yeah. I should have been there. So you need somebody, especially off a bench, like you say, you need somebody. You Should need have to have there. a different outlet, whether it's a big one or whatever. Mm. You need to have somebody. Something that, yeah, just yeah. because it gets to a point in a game where you think, God, oh, what are we going to... And then, bam, the, fact, the, the crowd see me warming up. It gives them a lift again. Yes. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I love Gutted. Um, just a couple more, mate. Mm. Right, honestly, mate, honestly, I'm not joking. You are world class. It's an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on our, Thanks, our podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Favourite player as a kid? Probably have to say... Kevin Keegan, yeah. Even though, um, like, obviously Laurie Cunningham and Cyril Regis were my like idols simply because you can you, you can see it, so you can be it kind of vibe. Seeing seeing Cyril Regis um, as a footballer made me realise, and watching them hammer Man United, West Bromwich Albion hammer Man United in 1978, and Cyril Regis, Laurie Cunningham playing and brilliant. You know, it made me realise, well, wow, I could yeah. be a footballer. But I remember Kevin Keegan because he was so small, and he was doing it. And people always said I was too small. So Kevin Keegan was somebody I looked up to and said, yeah, he was the one, Kevin Keegan. What um, what current footballer playing right now would you think is most similar to you? Jamie Vardy. Yeah. I love him. You know, yeah. I love his shit house. I love, <laughs> yeah. I love when Jamie Vardy, like, yeah. he, he teases them. He don't give a shit. You know what? Yeah. And you know what, what I love about him? I remember when he, when, he, when he blasted onto the scene as well, when he scored that goal against United, when they... When they were just magnificent yeah. in that game, that game Leicester, and I remember saying that guy is—if he carries on doing exactly what he's doing, he's playing for England. I got hammered. They were cooking me for it because I saw everything. You know, I saw everything in him: pace, desire, finishing ability. You know, hard working. Yeah. I saw every single thing in Jamie Vardy, and I still see it to this day. Yeah, it's class, isn't it? I, I adore him. 
I adore him and what he does and the path he's blazing. I, I hate playing against him, mate. Jamie, I, I hate love playing Jamie, against bro. him because you know Robinson, he's the same as you. Like you say, you, you give him a split second, mate. Yeah. He will play on the shoulder and he will give you give yeah. him a split second where you take your eye off him. The ball's over the top, he's in, and you're buggered, he's mate. Still you're what buggered, was he, 34, 34 and he's still rapping, isn't he? 27, he hit the Premier League. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. I know. Yeah. He's been um, doing it ever since. Favourite striker in the world right now? Yeah, final question, mate. Final question. Favourite striker in the world right now? Um, I'll probably have to go with... I love Romelu Lukaku, but I'm going to go with Herlin Haaland. Oh, yeah, good. It's a good one, mate. He looks like... Um, yeah. He looks like he could be whatever he wants once he gets going. And I like watching a striker like him when you, you watch them and he's just unstoppable. Once he gets, he just can't be stopped. Yeah. Mbappe, you know, you know, he's probably, you know, got to be up there as well. Uh, but I'd probably go with Haaland because I just want to see him make that next move to see if he can then be exactly what I think he can be. Because at the moment, he looks like a bit of a, a bit of a monster. Anywhere he goes, if they've got the right... Um, service to him, he's gonna he's gonna rip it. Seeing him at Manchester City finishes everything for me. Oof, I think that, that would be finish, a problem, yeah, it? finishes everything. That will be. Finishes a I think I see the same in him as what you see is 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 it's a desire thing. Mm. It's a desire thing. You can see he's got a bit of nasty about him as well. He's got it? something, but he's what what he has got is that he finishes unbelievably. Yeah, clinically. Yeah. Um, Ian Wright, Uncle Ian Wright, mate, that was thank you. Honestly, I've pleasure, man. Thoroughly very, very enjoyed good. it. I felt, like I, I felt like I went on too much. No, I, I said mate, too much honestly, stuff to you. We've, we could do a part two, three, honestly, four, I and could five. Listen we've done day, the notes, haven't I we? Could listen to your day. Brilliant. We, we always finish the podcast, the podcast by looking into a camera. So I'll do it on this one. I'll right. start us all off. We always go up the podcast, up the podcast, up the podcast. <laughs>